Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christo. Please be seated. Today's feast of Our Lady's Dormition to Heaven, and it's a Sunday, the 12th Sunday after Pentecost. And so we have uh, two feasts we came together today. And uh, actually, for the monks, it was sort of easier, actually, because we had less songs because it was a feast day, so feast day. So anyway, my text today, hear the will of God and keep it. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Before I start, some new people here. We come to communion, you go to... uh, and both species, so I give communion from a holy spoon. And so you open your mouth wide, teach, don't, punch, don't punch, uh, push your tongue out at me. Just open your mouth. The priest says all the prayers. All you have to do is receive communion, okay? So anyway, as long as you're in a state of grace, you and you're Catholic or Orthodox, you may come to communion. If we uh, were thinking of a model or someone to follow besides our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, his will and the will of his Father were like one. They were always in harmony. And uh, he always did the will of the Father. And of course, the Holy Spirit always does the will of the Father. We talk about the Holy Trinity, we're talking about perichoresis, which is the interior operations of God. And uh, Gregory of Nazianzen uh, was very uh, lucrative about that. So if you want to read about that, read Gregory Nazianzen. He lived in the fourth century, very early church. But when I think of doing the will of God, because I'm a fallen sinner, I think of our Blessed Mother. In her perfection, she always did the will of God. Because she was a very particular, beautiful creation of God, and because When she was carrying our Lord, the Holy Trinity was inside of her. And because of that cooperation with the Incarnation, she was perfect. As we know, none of us here are perfect. But we look to her for that fiat, let it be done to me according to thy word. Now, in the Apocrypha, the the books, the devotional books of the church that were not canonical, but were devotional books, in the uh, Gospel of James and those things, we read a lot about uh, the life of the Holy Family and the life of Our Lady. And uh, after all, they lived so close to that time that the 
oral history was still alive. And uh, of course, a lot of that got into these books. And uh, so what was Our Lady's life like? Well, she was comparatively a young widow and she lost her son on the cross and we can't imagine how much she loved him as she stood there at the foot of the cross. But when she said, let it be done to me according to your word in Luke's gospel, she embraced that whole life and all the sacrifices she had to make and all the love she could pour out and all the good she could do. In the tradition of the early church, what did she do? Well, I think when you read Luke's gospel, it's so taken up with the birth of Jesus, nativity of Jesus, that probably she told Luke about that because Luke was one of the 70. And he probably wrote that down because Mary was his teacher. It's very, very feminine, the characteristics of Luke's gospel and the nativity narrative. Usually, not necessarily men, but when women get together occasionally, they all talk about their labor or they talk about the difficulty or this or that. Uh, men are sort of not too interested in that. As long as they're all healthy, he's happy. And they say in the tradition that she made visitations upon the earth. So if you go to Athos in Greece, they say she visited there and blessed the place. And all over, I remember when I was a, a teenager, my grandparents, my dad's parents came from a little town in Slovakia. Means the little in this big stone quarry, not much to it. And my grandmother especially was always telling me about all the visitations of the Blessed Mother. And I'd listened to this, so I said to my Aunt Margaret, I says, well, if they had so many visitations of Blessed Mother, what, what happened to America? We don't have many, we might have one or two that I've heard of anyway. And she laughed at me, she says, those people have been Christian for a thousand years, and we're not even a Christian country. That shocked me. I always thought maybe America was a Christian country, but now I know today, that is not true. It's sad, but it's not true. And we are under persecution. I know that also. So she went to many places and did many things and sat in the Acts of the Apostles. She sat down with the Apostles and the Holy Spirit descend upon her and the Apostles. In our church, we always put Mary at, Holy, at Pentecost and put her in with the Apostles. It's in the Acts of the Apostles. So I won't go into more detail about that, but I'll say she lived to maybe be 60 years of age, or maybe a little young. I like to think of her as younger. And the angel Gabriel came to her and told her it was going to be her time. 
Angel Gabriel is very particularly concerned about the Holy Family and the family of John the Baptist. And so she prepared. In our church, we have two weeks of fasting for the Dormition. Of course, it's broken up by Transfiguration. Because we fast in union with her, as she prepared for her Dormition. Uh, when the time came, she had ladies in waiting around her who really are waiting on a queen. And they prayed with her, and they put special clothing on her for her uh, death. And she fell asleep in the Lord, and they wrapped her in swaddling clothes or a shroud, and they laid her in the earth. Some say she died in Jerusalem. Some say she died in Ephesus. There's a battle going on to this day because both want to claim that. But we'll just let them worry about that. Now, the apostles were told by angels that Our Lady was going to fall asleep in the Lord. And they came, all except Thomas. Thomas is a witness to the resurrection, and he's a witness to Our Lady's falling asleep. So whatever container they had put her in, they opened it, and of course, all they found there was the winding cloth. She, her body was not there. And flowers, beautiful flowers. So today we bless flowers on this feast and herbs. For the beauty of the flowers and the odor of sanctity that came forth from her, her container, her box. Thomas was the one who demanded that it be opened because he had not been there when she died, and he wanted to see her in death. And they opened it, that's what they found. Sometimes if you go to a cathedral on the right priest, uh, cross in the cathedral, there's a door, and over that door is traditional to paint that tomb. We have a plush Janitsa Usopshai, I didn't bring it out today, but we have the icon and the tetrapod. And we usually, in our parish churches, we set up a tomb with our la ladies shroud in the tomb. It was fitting that the body that was the, brought our Lord into this world would not undergo corruption. And therefore, it was absolutely necessary, theologically, that that body went to heaven. And remember, this is magnificent. You know, the body and blood of our Lord is the glorified body and blood of our Lord from heaven that we receive in communion. But actually, it's the same body and blood that our Lady fitted to him in her womb, in the same blood. Uh, the fathers say, she was the oven 
that baked the bread of the Eucharist, Eastern Fathers. Very poetic. For our part, we must adore the Dormition. I also think, and if you know, the Dormition of Joseph is at the end of these icons there. This is Joseph's life. I have Jesus taking him up to heaven too because there are no relics of Our Lady and there are no relics of Joseph. Nothing was remained. And the Empress in Byzantium, when after one after Helen, she uh, made a great effort to try to find relics of Our Lady. And of course, none could be found. Whatever we have of Our Lady, or Joseph, his little pieces of wood or things he worked on, Our Lady, it's usually part of her veil or something like that that's left about. And the Byzantine Empress uh, collected these things. And of course, in Russia, there's a major relic of Our Lady of her veil. We have these things around beautiful things, grace-bearing, holy, but we have nothing of her hair, her nails, or her bones. We have nothing. The whole she was taken up to heaven. That's another proof of that. And I imagine the empress had all the money and all the clout she needed to find such a relic if they could find it. I don't know all the extent relics of Our Lady. Beautiful stuff. But there's something we can carry away in our hearts today as we receive the body and blood of the Lord. It's the body and blood she gave to him, which suffered the passion, laid in the tomb, went to heaven, sat at the right hand of the Father, is glorified in glory. And what is he like? He's dressed in white and gold. His hair is white and fire comes from his eyes. And who do you think is next to him? As he sits by the Father, there stands the Virgin. And she also is clothed in white and gold. Her hair is also white and fire comes from her hands and her eyes. Read Apocalypse if you want to know about that. It's in there. Apocalypse affects our liturgy a great deal. We have been taught since we were little children that we should dedicate ourselves to the Mother of God. We're already dedicated to Christ because we're baptized and chrismated, receive his body and blood in a holy meal. So he is always with us. In the Corinthians, once the Holy Spirit comes upon you in chrismation, he's always with you. And in the priest prayers and in Corinthians too, it says, when we cannot pray as we ought, the Holy Spirit prays with us. We are so blessed. So today, renew your dedication to the Mother of God that she will pray for you.
when your days on end are, on earth are ended, that you may, your glorified soul may be up to the heavenly kingdom. Then angels and saints, and maybe if you're lucky, so lucky, 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 our lady herself may come to take you to heaven. Do not be afraid of death is the doorway to new life. We see that especially in the Dormition. We contemplate today a wonderful miracle of our faith. Our closeness to those we love in heaven, especially to our Lord and the Mother of God, and how the Father loves us because he sent these holy gifts. I preached a couple of weeks ago about the marriage feast at Cana, it's up there on the wall with the jugs and everything. And you see who's very interested is the mother of God. And I told the people, the reason the mother of God was so interested was that she never had a wedding. She was betrothed to Joseph and they lived a Josephite marriage where they had no marital embrace. That had to be. How beautiful. Sometimes they tell married couples when they're getting married, you should have a Joseph night after your wedding and wait a while. Make it more special. Our holy faith, our tradition, our love of God, the grace of the Holy Spirit, is pounding in us. We are temples. And the first and most beautiful temple that ever went to heaven was the mother of God, body and soul. And she awaits us prayerfully as her children, who she desires to join her in the glory of the heavenly kingdom which eye is not seen nor ear heard, but the glory that to which you wait in that kingdom. Persevere and be holy. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.